Hi, everybody. It's Ken Navarro, and welcome to my podcast, All About the Music. My guest today, drummer Bruce Guttridge, was described by no less than world-renowned drummer Dennis Chambers as a monster of a player. Bruce is absolutely one of the greatest drummers I've ever worked with. I called upon him to play on a very special song of mine for my new album, Into the Light. The song is called Dancing Waters. It's a very challenging composition, to say the least, and a lot of the weight is on the shoulders of the drummer. So I wanted to talk to Bruce to give us some insight into how he came up with this special part for what I feel is a very special song. So Bruce, I'm here in outside of Baltimore in my recording studio, and um, you know we're four or five weeks into lockdown here. You're in Nashville, right? That's right, Ken. And you're you got are you like in lockdown mode like we are too? Um, yes. There are there there are no restaurants or bars or any of that open. Uh, the the Krogers are still open and the the supermarkets and the Walgreens, which I I've got to get out to today. But uh, I'll put my bandana over my face and. Right. Yeah, we've been doing the same same thing. And just the only thing we're really getting out to do besides picking up groceries and that all important liquor store trip <laughs> is um, is, you know, walking a couple times a day just just to get out and do, you know, be outside, you know. So um, and I know you were you were under the weather with not COVID, fortunately, but um, some kind of cold or cold or flu. And you're feeling better now. You're doing. Yeah, I'm feeling like feel- yourself. I'm feeling a little bit better now. I think it was, uh, I could attribute that to the antibiotics that I was taking for a week. And I think there's some mm-hmm. side effects to that, um, which sort of brought me down a little bit. Um, but uh, other than that, you know, we we just had, I would say, about three or four beautiful days here of uh, sun and warm weather. Um, but that that was only uh, what I, I say three or four days ago when that started, because before that it was just nonstop, like it, we usually get in the month of uh, February and March in particular. We get a lot of gray days here in Nashville. It's just gray and uh, gray and rainy. But it feels like you're through that. It sounds like so. It's, yeah, it's we're good. through that, yeah. right? Well, you know, you 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 played on a couple songs on the new album, Into the Light. Yeah. Um, green chili stew, which was just like kind of a funk fusion thing. But the one I want to talk about with you today was Dancing Waters, because that was like, <laughs> I think as you put it, you said, I think you said that you thought I gave you green, green chili stew as kind of a reward for having made it through <laughs> Dancing Waters. Because right. Dancing Waters, I mean, it's interesting. People hear it and they know that it's not, you know, typical and they know that it's, it's, it's a, um, a very different kind of a piece of music, but they they don't think about like why, because it they just know they like it and that it feels unique. But I wanted to kind of talk to you today about about why it's different and what what it is about it that makes it feel like it has some kind of rhythmic quality that you don't hear that often. Oh um, yeah, and so much of that has to do obviously with with what I wrote, but how you interpreted it and how you added a, a, a drum part to it is also equally important. So I, I remember when I gave it to you, 
It was a pretty much a finished demo, but there were no drums on it at all. There was that bed of different percussion things. That's there right. Were no drum, yeah, there were no drums at all. So um, how did you conceive of the drum part without actually hearing anything there, you know, from me? Oh, well, look, I, um, first off, I, I've got to say, when I received that track from you, Ken, um, uh, well, not only was I honored, but it was, uh, it was, uh, it 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 raised a, a a level of excitement in me because I don't often get to do um, the, that style of playing down here uh, mm-hmm. in Nashville. It's much more, um, uh, I don't want to say cookie cutter, but it's a little more, uh, you know, in the in the framework of two and four and uh, and and for pop. Um, so this was. Uh, this was a bit of a, a throwback uh, for me to, to, to delve into something that I could really sink my teeth into. Um, so when I first heard the track, um, you know, the, the, the first thing that I go for, if I know that I'm going to be recording on this, I, I, I'm looking for that, um, that primary feel, the primary pulse. Um, right. And and I, I it was a little bit I don't want to say difficult, but it would uh, it, this song had some twists and turns in it, um, and and so it wasn't that easy to pick up uh, where the primary pulse was. Um, and the reason why I say primary pulse is because that's where I can I can um, center um, uh, I can center where I feel I'm going to put the rhythm, or I can I can center where the rhythm is. It's uh, Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 a basic bit of math, you know. It's like um, uh, oh, I'm not that good at math, but it's like trying to find the common denominator um, where you can tap your foot or where you can um, 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 yeah, where you can tap your foot and uh, kind of feel like where home base is. Yeah, ex- ex- yeah, exactly. You know, and I always. Um, I, I never write out any parts uh, that I'm going to play, so um, none of my drumming is ever, um, um, you know, thought out beforehand. But I do, I, I, I sort of, when I sit down behind the drums, I did a, a couple test runs without tracking anything, uh, and, and I was able to uh, uh, to follow along and to quickly uh, fall into. Uh, uh, a bit of a groove, and I think that 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 first groove that I uh, that I fell into, I think stuck with me throughout um, the, the whole um, uh, the whole time uh, while I recorded this and worked with you on it. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting because you know sometimes those things do change. It's nice when that first impulse or instinct is is the one that is right. It makes oh. sense that it should be. <laughs> You, you know, but but it isn't always that way. I know. Um, yeah, kid. There was know. a sense. There was a sense of relief when I sent you back the um, uh, my first go at it, and, and and you liked it. You you were thumbs up with it. Oh yeah, uh, you were right. You were right where I was hearing it too. You know. Yeah. Um, that that made it e- that made it much easier for me. Well, it's always. I know, yeah, that's good. But I, I wasn't surprised. I mean, as I mentioned to you. You know, when I was writing this, you know, I was thinking to myself, oh, this is for Bruce. This is, And we haven't worked together in decades, but yeah. that's how strongly I felt that this was just, you would know instinctively what to do, and it would be what I wanted to hear, and 
all of that stuff, which is such a wonderful thing, you know, when when it, it can just flow like that. But I wanted to say, you said something earlier that I, 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 I just don't think is true. Uh, you said you're not good at math. And there's no way that somebody can do what you did on this and have done on other things and not be good at math. Oh, I mean, thanks. You, you, you have a, I mean, I, I just think that you have an, um, a natural sense of this, but I, I think, you know, I should mention to the people listening to the podcast that the time signature throughout this is what I guess I'd call 13-8, meaning that it's 13 eighth notes. Every bar would be 13 eighth notes, and and I hear it as seven and six, Uh, a bar of seven, a bar of six, a bar of seven, a bar of six. And I'm sure you were doing that too. But beyond beyond just the um, time signature being unusual, you played it very compositionally. In other words, you you really were also immediately hearing right from the first takes, you were hearing the right way to play each section. And, um, and there's something else about doing that that's an entirely different challenge than just being able to deal with the time signature. Um, did you actually map that out? Did you write yourself, maybe not a chart exactly, but some sort of a roadmap of it's going to do this and then it's going to do this and then I'm going to go over here. <laughs> did you have to do anything like that or did you just like memorize it? No, I, I memorized it um, and not so much, um, you know, all right, there's, uh, when you listen to music, there's, there's uh, um, and excuse me, but thanks for saying uh, that about the, the math thing. I, it's the terminology. Oh, it's totally true. <laughs> I, I get stumped on the terminology of, of, of when it comes to math as opposed to, uh, I love math. I, I, I absolutely love it. I don't like hearing uh, too often when, when I hear other musicians saying that, uh, you know, oh, they don't want to, uh, they, they take the math out of it. I don't believe you ever take the math out of it. I <laughs> exactly. Just think, I think you, yeah. be, you simply just learn how to become uh, creative and musical, and you should be musical uh, with right. the, uh, with the math. But uh, no, I um, uh, I certainly uh, memorize it in a way of feeling what I call just turnarounds um, in, in phrasing uh, an eight bar or a sixteen bar um, or twenty four or or thirty two bar turnarounds. You can feel them automatically coming. You can hear also in music. Um, uh, you can hear foreshadowing uh, with certain um, with certain melodies or. Uh, um, uh, what's going to come next you can you can hear that and sense it in the music and i tend to go by that segues my passages from the bridge into the chorus, from the chorus out back into the verse, those 
those things. When I'm when I'm locked in the pattern, uh, when I'm in the middle of a chorus, um, um, I'm fine. It's 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 how do I how do I get out of that chorus in a musical way? Um, how do I set it up? For instance, what what type of fill or you know or, or not a fill? You know, do I go into it? That's where I'm. I right. wanna I wanna think musically about it. And sure enough, sure enough. Um, I do have, I will have that six and, and seven revolving in the back of my mind. You know, for instance, if I can, if I can elaborate a little bit uh, through some, um, through some uh, interpretation rhythmically through my mouth here, it's something like a, that will be going on. And so it's almost two things happening at once. I try to I try to put that as far back into my conscious as I can so it doesn't get in the way of what's going on musically. Um, right, I, right. I don't want right. to sound robotic with the piece. Um, yeah, I can tell. And as a composer slash producer, I love that that's how you worked on this and that that's how you work in general. Because in the end, and I think that's what musicians might mean when they say they don't want to think about the math. You know, you're not thinking about the math. You, you're, as you put it, you're internalizing it. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and I love that because that means to me, you're not, you're living it, you know, and you, you're, you play it enough before you really record it that you feel like it's inside you, almost like you wrote it. And I think in the end, that, that really is, that's all the listener cares about. And if, if you had accomplished a great technically played track, but it didn't have that element that you're talking about where you're living it, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't translate to the listener who honestly it's not their job to care how hard or easy it was for us to accomplish something (laughs) you know our job is to make it so that they can feel whatever they're going to feel from it that's Um, right and not get in their way and sometimes a technical thing gets in someone's way you know that's Um, right and you know and when i think the other thing you know i was wondering about with that process or your process is you know you I remember you sent me what I guess I'd call a first draft and it might have taken you many times to get to what you felt was like a first draft but it was the first thing that I heard um and I gave you I think really you know not a lot I gave you some feedback in some direction but it wasn't like I gave you a lot because it was basically there um it, what happened once I gave you those notes so to speak did you find it easy to interpret them and then just incorporate them into your way of hearing it? Or how, did you, how do you deal with that when somebody gives you what I call notes, you know, um, oh, on, yeah. on, on your performance? Well, let me, let me just say this. It's appreciated and it's very much needed. And it also reminds me who I'm working with. Um, you know, I'm working with Ken Navarro. Uh, there have been other, um, I, I, for instance, um, I, I just had, you know, Jeff Berlin up at my studio just a couple weeks ago and Jeff, yeah. And Jeff was, um, uh, remarking, uh, he made the remark to me. He's like, thanks for the, for the producing Bruce. I very much appreciate it because it leaves it or it doesn't leave me, but it, um, um, it gives me direction. I, I don't have to do, let's say, I don't have to do so much work. It's the uh, the producer, the songwriter, uh, know 
um, um, they can they can guide me to that um, um, uh, to that to the 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 finish line um, quicker. It's uh, it's much it's much easier. Uh, I knew it was coming from you. I said there's no way that Ken's gonna <laughs> gonna gonna leave me with just. Uh, uh, with just what I with what I did, I was I'm very much appreciative uh, when you give me uh, guidance, and I think most musicians are as well. Um, yeah, yeah. As opposed, you know, oftentimes you get the hem and haw of like, oh, I don't know, what do you think? I don't know, what <laughs> yeah, do you think? People, you know, oh, what do you I think? I think sometimes people aren't sure. Um, yes, and of course they do. I mean, whenever you bring in a, and I'm using this word just loosely, a jazz musician. Um, or someone who's capable, a better way of putting it is whenever you bring in a musician who's fully capable of improvising, I like that better than jazz musician. Um, I, you know, you do want their input. I mean, you're, you're, I don't bring, wouldn't bring somebody like you in to dictate what to do. Um, it, it's, it's like you, you not only want their expertise as a player of their instrument, but you also want all that experience they have as a musician in general. Um, and of course, that's one thing that's different about you than, than many rhythm section players. You really are a composer in your own right, a producer in your own right, and you play the drums. So what you bring to something like this is so much more than just the expertise of, of the, your drumming, which of course is a lot, but, but that's, you know, so it's always a fine balance as a producer when you're working with somebody that you... Um, respect and but also you don't want to stifle their creative impulses right um and so that's always something that you know i'm kind of aware of that that it's you know i don't want to go either way in other words i don't want to say um too much but at the same time i don't want to at all be like well i don't know what do you think because <laughs> because you know i know you have ideas when you sent me that first draft they were all there you know i know what you think <laughs> well that's right you know? but i mean but heck can you got um you, you know you got 75 percent or close to it i feel um um of what you wanted when i when i uh when, when i first uh presented you with that uh with that rough Oh yeah, and, yeah, definitely. And so, and and so, there you are. That's that's plenty. Um, well, and that's I'm wondering too. What what another thing I wondered about the one thing you did have that I sent you were these three different tracks of, for lack of a better word, I'll call them a percussion bed. Um, one of them was like a tuned tab tabla part. Another were these like some kind of synth low bells that were tuned to to. And then right. another was a conga part, but they're all basically a percussion. They were like serving as, not as a drum track, but that's what they were serving, that rhythmic pulse purpose in the demo. Um, and of course, they ended up being on the final version. Thank you. 
was it was it a harder to play to that or did that somehow free you up in some ways no, to have it, that there yeah it, it frees you up a bit because um all three of those instruments combined uh, they basically what they're doing uh, in a way is laying down a 16th note bed um, for the uh, for the entire track so that uh, as well as the click well it allows me to turn the click down just a pinch um, because there's my there's my 16th note track and so uh, for time for locking in to time it makes it that much easier uh, and I least, would think it makes for me. makes it that yeah. much more musical too because now you're playing to a musical click instead of just a a click. <laughs> That's right. Rhythmically um, musical. That's right. And you had them in, uh, uh, they were set up in a fashion of where they were, they were phrased, well, according to how you wanted to hear it, but they were, they were phrased in a musical, in a rhythmically musical way throughout the track, which gave me, uh, sure enough, um, uh, a, a bed, uh, a formula, if you will, uh, of which right. to follow. It sort of, it, it um, um, subconsciously, shifted my playing uh to um 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 to to follow that route like a like a three two clave or a two three clave would you you shift your you shift your playing uh depending on uh, on that sound right you're right and even though those were three parts that that um are go throughout the song they come in and out at different times you know sometimes they're all three in sometimes it's just one or two of them that's and they change they're not loops so they they do help i think you know define the um you know the parts of the song the the song as well well that's interesting to know because i you know, I was pleasantly surprised when I—I I think I sent you uh, not a final mix, but something pretty close to the end uh, of the mixing. And one of your uh, suggestions was to bring them back up. I had turned them down once your drums were in there. I didn't turn them off, but I turned them down. And right. you said, "You said I think they need to be louder. I think it sounds better with them as as a real force." Yeah. And sh- and you were right, but you know, I it was um, kind of one of those. Uh, thinking too much things where I thought, well, the drums are there. So I, I, you know, I don't want to, I mean, that's much better than these percussion parts. Uh, But uh, it was, it was nice when you said that because it, in a way it gave me permission uh, to do that. Um, Well, thanks. I, I, I like the idea of, uh, uh, of that. I like the word percolating it. It, um, it, it, yeah, percolating. It, good yes, word, good it, phrase. It, I, and it, it sounded like that when they were a little bit, a bit more up in the mix. It just uh, everything had that nice sixteenth note um, forward momentum to it. it yeah, was, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of really sound, I, I wanted to talk to you about that a little bit too, because the sound of your drums is exquisite. And there's, I mean, there's moments, and I'm not just talking about the the beauty of the cymbal sound in your cymbal work because that's a a defining characteristic of of this but also certain things with your toms i mean there are places in that eight bar drum break where you hit certain toms and i i just love to listen to it and feel it I don't know if you approach the sound of the drums for this song for Dancing Waters differently. I would think you probably did because it's not a two and four backbeat kind of thing. But um, I'd love if you talk about that a little bit as to how you got the sound that you got because it's it's 
not only is the part perfect for the song, the sound of the drums is exactly right for the song, too. Oh, well, thank you, Ken. Um, well, you know, um, yeah, I do have a, a, a studio here um, that I do remote recording with. Yeah, um, yeah. And so I can, uh, I, I can track drums for anyone anywhere. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, okay, so, so quickly... I, I typically tend to leave the toms uh, as they are. I just want to make mm -hmm. sure that there's not too much uh, um, too much ring to where it's bothersome in the mix on the toms. Mm. Um, right. I like I like a good separation from high to low. Um, I just have uh, a one rack tom and two floor toms. The snare drum, I'll uh, I wanted to have a more articulate snare drum on this piece. Um, because I felt it was appropriate. So I, I, I went with that. I went with a, a higher pitched um, um, snare, which would uh, articulate what I would uh, be doing with my ghost notes and my, and my left hand. Um, but most of all, it was just um, uh, symbols. I'll change, um, I'll, I'll change the, um, uh, my symbols around. Um, I believe uh, I used a, a darker ride symbol for this. I was just... Uh, uh, I, uh, a larger, darker ride cymbal I used. And my crash cymbals, I like my crash cymbals to be um, somewhat quick and articulate mm -hmm. as well. I don't like mm -hmm. crash cymbals that, uh, that I can't control. Um, um, so I, I may have, uh, I believe that I used, uh, actually I used a, a, one of the, cra the crash cymbals I have uh, um, is quite cracked. And um, mm, but it mm -hmm. but it sounds great. I, I believe it's a it's a nineteen a nineteen or an eighteen inch crash symbol, but it's got a, a substantial crack in it, so it um, it it dries it up and and quickens the decay of it. Uh, and it sounds great. It's probably not going to sound great for too much longer, but uh, um, right, but, but right. <laughs> it's got it's got a limited lifetime because it's cracked. But that's exactly. why exactly. why you used it. Yeah. Hey, but you know, Ken, a, a lot of it. Let me just add on to that though. Really, and and not to toot my own horn, but 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 any anyone will, will will tell you it's so much in how you approach and how you uh, um, uh, play and how you uh, attack the drums, if you will. Um, and, you know, having dynamics and being knowing that you have to you have to there has to be a, um, a substantial. Uh, there has to be enough impact on the drums to get the sound through the recording, but but you need to have some uh, dynamics here and there, and and I like to play with with dynamics. So sometimes my fills will have an exaggerated um, 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 ending, you know, you know, and and so I really try to put that forth uh, in my playing. It, a, a lot of it has to do with your approach on the drums themselves. Oh yeah, it's well. Yeah. It sounds like what you're saying is, you know, it starts by the cymbals and the drums that you pick to use for the recording, because and how you tune them also, which gets a little technical for a lot of people. But nevertheless, it's all part of getting the sound off of the drum in the first place. That's but right. then you got to play it a certain way, and I would imagine you also know, like I do with certain acoustic guitars. There's certain parts of where of the neck where they it just sounds better for certain things. That's right. Um, it, it's like you know your instruments too. Yeah, it always I have to say it always does kind of bug me a little bit when somebody someone's response will be, "Man, your guitar sounds great," you know, and I'm thinking, well, 
I had to play it, you know. <laughs> it's not quite as simple as the guitar sounds great, but but yeah, you know, it's and it's oh, wow. the same thing with with drums. I mean, and I, I we don't have to get into it that much, but did you mic the drums in any way that would be different than how you might normally record them for for Dancing Waters? No, I didn't. I I mic those. Um, I mic those the same way. I use. Um, uh, LDCs, large diaphragm condensers on my mm -hmm. toms. Mm -hmm. um, I have a, a pair of small diaphragm condensers for overheads. I mic my snare drum top and bottom and, uh, and just uh, one, kick, one kick drum mic inside the, inside the kick drum. Occasionally, I'll use a, um, I'll use a, a, a hybrid um, um, a sub kick microphone, which is basically a speaker wired in reverse. I'll put that on, but I, I didn't use that in this recording. Mm -hmm. Didn't. Uh, yeah. No. You were going for a more natural sound, I think. And that's correct. And, and I don't think maybe I'm wrong because it would have been subtle if you used it, but I, I, I never feel like I'm hearing any compression or any kind of an effect to hold the sound in. Maybe you did in some subtle way, but it, it doesn't come across that way. And in a song like this, you, you really don't want it to come across that way. Uh, no, um, you've, I know, you, know. You, ha you have to be careful with that. And I've, I've, um, I, I've made some errors in the past, um, giving, um, uh, giving someone uh, something which is a, where they noticed it's a little bit too compressed, and uh, and so I'll I'll lighten up on that. I do like to uh, at, when I track. I do like to just uh, have a slight bit of compression on the kick and snare. Um, um, I, I don't mind that. I've got. Um, oh yeah, that makes sense. But, I've, but I've, they I've really got, make sense. Yeah. I've got two uh, DBX XTs, um, one sixty XTs that I that I use. Those are you know, old 80s units, and, um, and they're nice to have. And I, I, I they use sound those on and, and They sound really good, those units. You know, they don't, there, there is something about those older DBX units. I, I have a couple myself. I haven't yep. used them in a while, but, you know, it's, it's uh, well, and I'm wondering, too, um, like, you know the part of the song where, where it, it's after the guitar solo, and it's um, it basically serves as a transition to get you back to the main theme. To me, that was one of the hardest sections to write. And in my mind, when I was writing it, I completely obliterated where the counting the time. In other words, it's still in thirteen eight religiously. <laughs> but when I was writing it, I I I just trusted myself in a way that I don't usually do in an odd time signature. <laughs> Well, it wasn't the hardest section to do, but it was probably um, <laughs> it was probably the most riskiest. And this is the this is the interesting thing about recording: when you're recording and you have a click, or, or, and, and you have a percussion track which is already uh, down, those things are not going to waver. And so it can give the drummer. Um, at that while you're recording, it can give you a bit of a crutch and you can take 
some chances, if you will. And you can, uh, as long as you're staying in time, and what I mean by in time there is as, as long as you're staying with the pulse, a 16th note uh, pulse, eighth note pulse. If you're staying with the pulse of the music, the click and the and the and the percussion tracks will give you freedom to play over the bar line, and you can hear and you can hear, uh, for instance, the accent on the one through the click because I might because I did have this click in thirteen eight to where it was going. I would have the accent on the one. So if I if I can hear that while I'm playing on top or over the bar line, if you will, um, that keeps me in. That's that gives me that recognition. Oh, there's my one. Okay, boom. Now I'm 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 back in on the one. You, you know, there's two things when you're tracking drums. One is staying in tempo, in time with the pulse of the of 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 the tune. The other one, of course, is being on the one or or coming back around to the one. So you're you're playing within the framework of the of the composition. And that, that home base we talked about before. Exactly. So, yeah, so it, it gave me a little bit of freedom to, um, um, to take those risks, if you will, to take that chance and just play a little bit out. Well, when you're on the bandstand and you're playing live with musicians, you don't, all, you don't always have that liberty because there will be some musicians that will let's say they'll get thrown with the time they 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 might be listening a little bit too much to the drummer or relying on the drummer for uh not only time but where one is and if they do that then they can get thrown it actually it chokes the drummer into not being able to take those risks and and be as musical musically creative as he might want to be um but when you do play with um, uh, musicians live on the bandstand that are aware of that and are used to playing with, uh, uh, with in that that uh, that musical setting where the drummer is able to improvise and and do his thing, if you will, um, they're more used to that. They will remain constant. They will remain solid uh, with the time, tempo, and phrasing of the tune to where they inherently know where one is, and so there. So you can use them as a crutch. And there's a, a certain musicians you and I know who who those are, uh, particularly bass players, that you can simply, you know, you can hang your hat on them, and they are rock solid, not going to move, and they're a joy to play with in those settings. But uh, and I would I would think in this recording situation. You know, you really have the best of this because you know it's not going anywhere. You know the tracks are rock solid, and they're they're not going to get thrown by what you're doing. And um, but yeah, you found you know I like the that you worded it. You said it was the risky. It may not have been the hardest section, but it was the riskiest section. And that's kind of how I felt when I was writing it too. Like, yeah. Okay. I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try to make sure I I I. I I'm spelling it all out here, um, but it's going to end up, I wanted it to feel, in fact, what I was going for was that it was going to almost be like um, a huge wave that it breaks and you and you suddenly find yourself back at the main theme. I wanted the listener to feel a little confused, if you know what I mean. 
Sure. Um, so that so that when it came out, it came out like, oh, oh, okay, I know where we are now. Yeah. Uh, and you, what you played, really made that just went right, right to the heart of that. Um, Thanks, Ken. And, uh, and 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 it really it, it really worked. Well, you know, you mentioned um, working with Jeff Berlin earlier. Um, I'd like to let folks know some of the other things that you're doing in Nashville. I mean, obviously you, you live a few different musical lives. Um, you know, the work you're doing with Jeff, I think he was playing on a, a, a new piece of yours, but you also do a bunch of live playing with Jeff, right? And you've also recorded on his most current, uh, work. Yeah. He's doing a, uh, a tribute record. Um, it's, pretty close to done now he's doing a tribute record to to jack bruce he's a big big fan of jack bruce and he always has been so he um uh he did 11 songs that he um uh rearranged uh himself along with his producer john mccracken and Mm -hmm. uh he rearranged uh several well 11 pieces of uh of jack's uh stuff and introduced me to a lot of uh uh, music that I had not heard before. I, I didn't know mm-hmm. much of yeah. Jack Bruce's solo stuff. Of course, I knew all the Cream stuff. It's magnificent. But anyway, I was so I was. Um, we we did the drums up here, and uh, and Jeff produced me. He <laughs> sat right in front of the drums and uh, and basically conducted me through uh, many of those pieces. That was that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, yeah. And he's been doing some work on the music that I've. Um, um, been writing. Um, I also, I finished up, um, a year's worth of touring with, um, country artist Clay Walker. He was a big, a big, big nineties, uh, uh, guy, great singer. Um, and that was a lot of fun. That was straight up nineties country. I enjoyed that very much. Um, I was, uh, we, um, ran tracks, uh, to mm-hmm. where the, um, I had to, trigger um the song off i would i would hit a pad and that would start the song all the all the tracks that we uh were backing Playing tracks to. for the show right as well as uh the media wall he had a big media wall and so i would i would trigger those uh the the, the videos uh, off on that wall as well so it was um, wow it was a bit of a learning experience wow. for me and i, I mean and you, you i, I know, really enjoyed it though it was a lot of fun. oh that's great yeah yeah i mean but you know you learned a lot of new skills i would imagine too but talk about some pressure you know you know you're not just taking care of keeping the band together and and even though there are tracks you're playing to people should understand it's a full band as well that's it, that's um, right it gave me a lot of res- I, I i i earned a lot of respect for uh, many of the drummers here in Nashville that do tour with uh, with national uh, large country artists that do the same thing, and they they've got um, uh, a lot of work to do. They they're the most important part of uh, of the show when they're when yeah they're people them people off. don't realize they what, don't what no. drummers' roles have become. Um, and and my brother saw the show. I think when you played in Orlando, I think that would have been where he saw it. And he just said it was seamless. I mean, you didn't think about all the stuff that was going on uh, as he's a drummer himself. So, right. you know, he was he was aware he knew, you know, but but he said it was just, you know, and that, of course, that's the other part of a gig like that. I think that must be stressful 
in that role that you were playing? Because if things go right, nobody knows. But if they don't go right, then everybody knows, <laughs> especially Clay. And, and you know, that can be very, uh, uh, you know, I, it would cause me stress to, to, to know that so much was riding on me pretty much being flawless, uh, oh. which obviously you were. <laughs> well, Because you did it for a year. I did it for a year, and it became flawless. I definitely had, um, I would say no more than three, but there were three uh, major uh, hiccups uh, that happened um, uh, twice due to my um, simply just uh, having messed up by accident. Uh, but one time, uh, my laptop, came, the, the, the drum riser was a bit shaky. I didn't notice it, and the laptop actually fell off its perch <gasps> oh onto <my> the ground. <laughs> oh, my God. Everybody's show. nightmare. Oh, my God. And, and so, so there was, it, yeah, it was, it was a bit of a nightmare because all of a sudden, the backing tracks stop. Uh, there's no click. There's no, uh, there's no information. The media wall is, is not working, and... Um, and there's a bunch of techs around uh, the drum riser trying to put it all back together. So right, uh, right, right. It's like it's nobody's fault. Stuff like this is going to happen. It is live, um, yeah. but we be- we become. You know, I know there's a couple songs in my show that I play with tracks, and um, you know, if those tracks were to, there's a couple times we've we've done things where we're just lucky nothing went wrong put it that way oh yeah because uh, of because if it had it would have pretty much been a disaster you know so uh and there there i've got some funny stories too um although that it's only funny in the telling you know it's not funny when it's happening at all it's, <laughs> you get that terrible feeling in the pit of your stomach but the other 99 percent of the time you know everything is 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 going great right and um the people in the know 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 why it's going great but the audience they just know everything is wonderful and they're having a great time. And again, that's kind of our job as musicians is just to convey, to give them that place to have that experience. Yeah. Um, but I, it's interesting. I'm glad you talked a little bit about that. So would you think you'll go back out on the road with, with Clay again, it, you know, when things get back to normal here? Or? Uh, well, no, I don't, I, I don't think so. I think that's, um, uh, that's through now. I, uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I really want to, um, hone in on the studio here and and do mm-hmm. as, as much recording as i can um and and so you're you're available for projects from all over the world right i mean you could do anything somebody could send you tracks from belgium or norway or spain it's it's all the same right yeah, absolutely and i i i try and usually i'm i'm able to get them back tracks that same day um um, or at least the the next day, I can I can I can get right on it. Well, and we got it. We've got to find an opportunity to play live together too. Um, you know, we'll we'll look for an opportunity when when the when things get back to some semblance of normal. Um, you know, to play together live, and we'll definitely sure. play Dancing Waters. And I'll have to woodshed that one myself. Well, thanks so much for doing this today, Bruce. It, it really was fun talking with you, and a pleasure to hear your thoughts. And your insights into um, how you play, how you look at a project like this, I, I think are really interesting for people who who just want to hear the music, but they do want to understand a little bit more about, about how it happened and how somebody 
creates parts like this and records them. So I appreciate you being so articulate about it and taking the time to talk about it too. Oh, very good. No, I, well, I thank you, Ken. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. And that was my conversation with my good friend, drummer extraordinaire, Bruce Guttridge out of Nashville, Tennessee. So my new album, Into the Light, has been in the top 10 for quite a while now. I really appreciate all the support that you all have given me and given this new music of mine. If you still would like to get an autographed copy, you can do that exclusively at my website. But of course, it's available on Amazon, iTunes, many other places, and it's on all the streaming services. So thanks again for joining me. I'm looking to do a couple more podcasts in the coming weeks while we're in the middle of this coronavirus pandemic. I'm trying to take advantage of the fact that people have extra time and record a couple additional podcast episodes. So stay tuned, stay safe, stay well, and I'll talk to you on the next one.